0: It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, March the 18th, 2018. Of course, you can check out the show all the time over at our friends at uh, metsmorizedonline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and uh, you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody, a day later. I hope everybody's having a a great weekend. And we are less than two weeks away from opening day. And joining me in just a few minutes is Tim Healy of Newsday. Tim is the beat reporter for uh, the Newsday for the Mets. And he's new to the Mets beat, uh, coming over from uh, South Florida, the Sun Sentinel. He was covering the Marlins. He's also worked over in the uh, New England area and knows those teams up there. Also wrote a book. Hometown Hardball, which uh, talked about his minor league baseball road trip a few years back. So Tim has a pretty extensive uh, amount of experience. Uh, and, and it should be an interesting uh, segment and, and, a, and a good addition to what we hope is a recurring contribution to this podcast throughout the season. I'm not going to go on very long because as we near the end of, of spring training... I don't want to say there's the lull, because now this is when the rosters are taking shape. And the Mets have a couple of really interesting things. Now, the injury to Jason Vargas on his non-pitching hand does throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into how they're going to go about the rotation. As of about 8 o'clock tonight, it appears that he's going to have surgery, be out about a week, and resume throwing and, and probably be back on track to miss... No more than one, maybe two starts. Now, does that mean that Rafael Montero, who has not had a good spring, gets a stay of execution, gets on the roster, because then uh, Vargas will go on the disabled list and and, and so on? I- I'm not sure. Uh, I don't really think there's much left to see with Montero. Will he be picked up? I mean, a guy who was touted as Montero, there's always going to be a team that will say, hey, maybe we could fix him. Maybe the Texas Rangers, Dan Worthen's over there and uh, maybe they would grab him or something along those lines as he's out of options and would have to clear waivers. Uh, Regardless, I I think at the end of the day, Vargas missing a week really is not going to help show you what Montero has. I know that there's been talk about them trading him. So that's one scenario that is impacted by Vargas. Obviously, the other thing that comes into play is what is this team going to do in terms of the bullpen? Right now, it looks like it's going to be in terms of the starting rotation, you can have Syndergaard and Degrom, and both look really good. You have Harvey, you have Mats, you had Vargas. Maybe Wheeler now will get, uh, you know, a chance to do that first turn in the rotation. I would have to think it would be Wheeler, not Gazellman or Lugo. I think those two guys are headed for the bullpen. And what I find interesting is what will the Mets do now? Do they really need to send Gazellman and Lugo down to the Pacific Coast League? To actually uh, be stretched out. I mean, if you're going to have them in the bullpen, if you're going to have them, you know, going multiple innings as relievers, and you're probably going to need these guys to go multiple innings. There's going to be blowouts one way or the other. There's going to be starters that ha- come out after five innings. Uh, I don't think you want to go and burn out your, you know, seven, eight, nine guys every night. You know, there might be some opportunity where there's maybe a three run lead or a little bit of a cushion where you'll say, hey, let's go the extra inning with Gazelle or Lugo. Is that enough throwing? Is that enough stretching out, where they can then come in and be an effective starter when um, when they're called upon? I mean, that's that. I don't have the answer to that question. That's for Mickey Calloway. I would prefer them being in the big leagues. I mean, to me, being in the big leagues is going to be a, a hell of a lot better scenario than the Pacific Coast League. If just sending them down. I'm not saying that they'll you know, get pounded down there, but it's going to be a lot tougher for them to pitch. The numbers aren't going to be as good. Um, You know, what is a guy like Gazelle and Oluga who have already had success, even uh, Wheeler, when they go down to the trip to triple a, it will show a little bit about their character. How do they take that assignment? Are they going to uh, go down there, put everything into it, or are they going to be not into the assignment and, and maybe just wait for the call? There's a lot of things that come into play player gets put down into the minor leagues. Knowing that they really could be in the big leagues with another club, that they're probably uh, a victim of numbers, which certainly these guys, all of them deserve to be, I think, in a rotation in some way, shape or form. There's only five slots. And, I mean, this is a good thing. This is the kind of thing that having the kind of depth and bringing in Vargas, I think, is important. And I've said it. I've said this a lot on this show. I mean, and this is no big secret. Uh, You know, when I've spoken to Rick Peterson in the past, it's, um, it's more about, hey, you need to have a, at least 10 starters out there. Everybody's going to, every general manager, every pitching coach is going to tell you that. You need to have about 10 starters. And if you don't, you're going to start to have issues. Now, when you start to get to starters 9, 10, you know, maybe 11 and 12, that's when you start to get to decreased uh, performance or you, the expectation of what those starters can bring becomes a little dicey. Right now, you know, fallbacks like Lugo and Wheeler and Gazelleman, those are pretty good fallbacks. So Mets dodge the bullet with a little bit of a, a setback on the Vargas injury, but I don't see that as being too big of a deal. So we'll see what uh, Tim Healy thinks about. It. I had a chance to catch up with him earlier, so this was recorded a little bit before the Vargas surgery, uh, but he'll give us our, his thoughts on on what uh, what that means for the starting rotation. As far as you know, the eight man bullpen. It will be interesting how the four-man bench will go because the four-man bench in the National League is a three-man bench. It's the it's the for any team in National League or American League. Your catcher is always going to be the last guy you're going to use because you want to keep him in there, uh, God forbid of an injury. Uh, you're going to go out there and you're going to, um, uh, you know, have the other three guys, which would be right now. It looks like it'll be Wilmer Flores will be one, Kevin Pliwecki. You'll have Jose Reyes as a third bench opportunity, and then it'll either be lagaris or Brandon Nimmo, depending on who starts, whether it's a lefty or a righty that they play. That's going to be a challenge for Mickey Calloway. They're also going to have situations if they have deep and long extra inning games where they're going to have to use a starter that is a good hitter as a pinch hitter, whether it be DeGrom, uh, you know, Syndergaard, guys who are decent hitters, even Harvey. I mean, all the Mets pitchers are actually pretty decent hitters, so they can maybe go up there and provide a decent at-bat. But, that's again, that's not the route you want to go. Uh, you don't want to necessarily build the bench for the worst-case scenario, but with eight-man bullpens, I mean, you, you went from more than five or six years ago, you'd never do more than a five- or six-man bullpen. So you'd always have a five-man bench. Back in the 80s, you'd have a six-man bench because you you might only have nine or ten uh you know, uh, pitchers, you wouldn't go much much deeper than that because the starters would go deep. You had your closer and your set-up man, and then you had a couple of long guys that would go. And maybe for the Mets, the good news is that they have guys that could go long. Maybe they don't need the full eight guys the whole uh, season. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of different ways. That, it really depends on the, on, on the bounce-back ability of Lugo and Gesellman. But all this is intertwined. I personally look. At the end of the day, I don't know where they're going to go with the roster because they're really not playing their hand. other than they're going to have eight guys in the bullpen. How they feel about a Gazelman or a Lugo going to the minor leagues, uh, they haven't really talked about it all that much, uh, that include uh, Wheeler into that conversation, uh, versus them staying in the big league bullpen. Somebody, I think, eventually is going to go down because when Vargas comes back, I don't know if Wheeler will be an option for the bullpen. I think Lugo and Gazelman are. I'm not quite sure Wheeler is. And personally, to me, with that in mind, I think he's the guy. He's the sixth starter. He's the guy that's on the odd man out. He's the guy that goes down to Vegas. The guy who has the most versatility is the, is the individual that I would take. And I think Gazelman and Lugo, as an outsider looking in, those are the guys that I would, uh, uh, I would go with. So uh, it will be interesting to see how this all transpires. Uh, but let's get... Tim Healy's uh, perspective, Tim Healy, uh, Mets beat reporter for Newsday, new to the beat, so it be interesting to see what he has to say, and uh, we'll ask him about that and, and get into a whole bunch of stuff as we near the end of spring training and the opening day roster crystallizes here. We'll take a quick break. You're, of course, listening to the Talking Mets podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check out the show all the time at mettsamorizedonline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. You can also check me on The Grueling Truth, which is part of the iHeart Radio, iHeart Media Network. So we're also over there. We'll be back with Tim Healy of Newsday right after this.
2: Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to Metsmerizedonline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today.
0: We're back, and uh, joining us, Mets beat writer for Newsday, Tim Healy. You could check him out on Twitter at Tim B Healy. Also, author of the book Hometown Hardball. Actually, uh, interesting little project. Was checking that out earlier. We'll get a, a little bit about that as well. Uh, Tim, uh, welcome to the program. So, I guess uh, you've been down in Port St. Lucie. You came over from the uh, the Marlins beat. What is it about two three weeks now? How's it been for you so far?
1: So far, so good. So far, so good. It's been about two and a half weeks. Uh, so, switching beats from Marlins to Mets mid-spring was a, a good way to uh, break, the spin, uh, break the spring up. It can get a little monotonous, but for me, ever since March 1, since I got to Port St. Lucie, it's, uh, it's been a lot of new stuff for me. So, it's been a productive, productive stretch here.
0: And, you know, some news today, they always say, I remember Rick Peterson, and I always say this telling me, look, you need about 10 starters to get through a season. Uh, No matter what the best-laid plans are, you need about 10 starters. This was 10 years ago before, uh, you know, the the bullpens and how they are now. Uh, That was pretty prophetic with uh, Jason Vargas. Um, You know, that's a little bit fresh off the the presses, uh, a little bit of an unknown. Uh, Talk to me a little bit because I think that's going to impact potentially the eight-man bullpen, obviously the starting rotation, and and it's a little bit of a tricky injury since it's to his non-throwing hand.
1: It is tricky. It is tricky. And as we talk right now at, you know, four o'clock Sunday afternoon, we're not sure yet exactly what Vargas's state is going to be. It's either going to be pitched through it. And again, it's a, a fractured hamite bone in his right hand, which is his non-pitching hand or have surgery, which of course would be, uh, you know, a longer timeout, but, you know, not necessarily too long. I would expect it to be just a few weeks. Uh, so, there are a lot of moving pieces here. You know, in recent days, it's, the thought has been that it's Steven Matz versus Zach Wheeler for one rotation spot. But if Vargas has to miss any time, uh, fair to expect that they would both open the season in the rotation. And you're right. There's all sorts of, you know, ramifications, you know, that, that extends to the bullpen potentially. Um, you know, it with the, if Wheeler was to open the season in the rotation, as opposed to say AAA, then you know who's the first guy you'd want to call up from AAA. It's not clear. Maybe that moves Lugo or Gazelman down to the AAA rotation instead of the bullpen, the bullpen in the majors. So again, there's a lot of moving pieces, um, but we should get a little more clarity come tonight. You know, you know tomorrow morning, Monday morning, uh, when Vargas sort of figures out what he's going to do.
0: It actually may give Rafael Montero a stay of execution to a certain degree, you know, assuming it's the, you know, on the the shorter side, it's a couple of weeks, you know, maybe they start Vargas on the DL. Maybe they give Montero some time uh, the first week or two weeks before Vargas comes back on the big league roster. I mean, listen, touted prospect, you know, he struggled. I know you're new to the Mets beat, but I'm sure you've seen him being in the National League East. Um, It'll be interesting because there's rumors of a trade with Montero, but he may be the one that's most impacted by this uh, in a positive way in terms of his Mets career?
1: For sure, yeah. Uh, You know, being out of options, teams this time of year hate to just designate a guy, you know, and potentially lose him from your organization. Because, as you mentioned, needing 10 starters or more oftentimes over the course of a full season, that organizational depth is so important. And you don't want to just chop a guy off of that, even if he's on the low end of your depth chart, uh, you know, before the regular season even starts. So, yeah, if Vargas does open the year on the disabled list, it definitely stands to reason that Montero could, you know, wiggle his way into the bullpen, uh, you know, and get one last shot in the majors to see if he can, you know, sort things out and and make it stick. Uh, You know, we've seen glimpses of that through the years, but not, not nearly enough, and especially not this spring. And you never want to read too much in the spring stats. Uh, you know, they're weight a little more heavily when it's a guy competing for a job like Montero is. And he's had a, you know, by any measure, a, a not very good spring to say the least. Um, so, you know, when the regular season comes, it's you know, you flip a switch of sorts, the games matter, the guys care more. Um, so it'd be interesting if you were to sneak into the end of the bullpen, you know, the lower half of the bullpen depth chart, um, you know, if he can, you know, himself flip a switch and, and figure things out a little bit.
0: Tim Healy, Newsday beat reporter for the Mets, uh, joining us here. And uh, Robert Gazelman and Seth Lugo both have actually looked pretty well, this pretty good this spring. Uh, they were big parts of the, the Mets making the playoffs down the stretch in 2016. Uh, the tricky part here is this. You know, you'd think one of them, is obviously one of them is eventually going to be needed to make some starts. That's That goes without saying. Can they sure. still stay somewhat stretched out playing that two-inning, you know, sixth, seventh-inning role? I don't know how often. Depending how, It also will depend on how good the starters are. Coming out of the bullpen, because I think both of them coming out of the bullpen, if there is an eight-man bullpen, provide some value. Um, or is it more important to get them down to the Pacific Coast League, another whole Hornets' nest, and, and get them stretched out and do five, six innings with maybe potentially some ugly numbers? Uh, and how does that impact them psychologically as well? What is your feeling? Do you think both will make the squad, um, or do you think it's one of them is destined to go down to AAA because they they simply the Mets want them to be stretched out, uh, and how important that is.
1: My read before the Vargas injury was that both could make it into the major league bullpen to open the year in that sort of multi inning converted starter role that has become more and more popular. Uh, you know, especially when you can get a guy who. Uh, turns into a, a suddenly dominant reliever. Um, but with a Vargas injury, which would put Wheeler in the rotation potentially, um, it wouldn't surprise me if one, and, one of Lugo and Gazelman got bumped down because of that to Las Vegas, only because, you know, you, you need somebody there in the event of another injury, and there's always going to be another injury. Um, but, you know, to go back to you know, the original, the initial part of your question, if about how stretched out they can stay, if, if Lugo and Gazelman or whoever it is, is pitching one plus two innings, maybe a little more than two innings at a time in relief in a, you know, emergency start spot, start sort of situation, that person could feasibly go four innings, maybe a little more if they're efficient with their pitches. So they're a little bit stretched out, but you couldn't take them from that two winning role in the bullpen and expect them to go six or seven by any means. Um, so if they had to convert a guy back into the rotation on short notice, uh, it would be a stretching out process and a de facto bullpen day if it came to that.
0: One of the other aspects of this eight-man bullpen obviously goes into the four-man bench, which in the National League, and I know Mickey Calloway is from the American League, presents a ton of issues. Really, it's a three-man bench because you've got your backup catcher. Uh, Again, I know you're new to the Mets beat, but Wilmer Flores, being in the National League East, playing the outfield. um, Wilmer Flores is a first baseman and probably really is a DH. Uh, He's a good hitter. I don't know how the outfield is going to play with him. Jose Reyes, uh, that could be Juan Samuel Part 2 to bring back an old Met from the 80s playing the outfield. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's good versatility, and then there's bad versatility. You know, Tim, you or I could play the outfield. It doesn't mean we're outfielders. So, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? Because this is probably where they're going, and I know what they're trying to do, but creating something that's not there is also uh, historically a a situation that has burned the Mets.
1: It is. It is. And it depends on what Wilmer Flores in the outfield actually looks like in, in, in reality. You know, he played the outfield this weekend for seven innings and got one ball, had one ball hit to him. So we don't really know yet if he can make a running catch, feel the ball in the corner smoothly, things like that. If he can hold his own out there, uh, which the Mets seem pretty optimistic about, even though we haven't really seen it yet or tried that yet. Uh, it's, it's possible, you know, and I don't expect them to be out there very often by any means. Um, But, you know, the Mets thinking is that because he hits, uh, to add another position, you know, just to play once in a while, you know, if you can get him a couple starts in the infield a week maybe and then once every couple of weeks and left, you know, want to give Cespedes maybe a day game off, something like that, uh, you can definitely see that uh, materializing, again, as long as Flores is passable in the outfield. Nobody expects him to – you know, be a gold glover out there or anything close. But once uh, you have to let him get a little bit more reps, and I think here in the last week of great league play before the Mets break camp, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him out there once or twice more just to, again, see, see what it looks like, see if that's something that would be workable.
0: I think the two guys on this offense, Cespedes and Conforto, are just so key. The lineup is so different when both of them are in there. Again, I know it's spring training, but they've struggled offensively, and Cespedes has been injured and Conforto's been out. Uh, What are your feelings on I mean, Cespedes says he's okay. Uh, Conforto's starting to play. He probably won't be there at the beginning of the season. Uh, With these two key components, what are your feelings on their health right now?
1: Uh, Well, Conforto is definitely trending positively. I know Sandy mentioned over the offseason that May 1 was an an approximate target return date, and it seems like – that's pretty a pretty conservative estimate right now. Um, you know, Conforto starting to take at-bats over the weekend, played a little defense today in a minor league game. Um, if things continue to go well for him and everything so far has indeed gone well, then it's not hard to imagine that he gets back, you know, maybe a week, week and a half before that May 1 approximation. Uh, and with Cespedes, you know, I don't, I don't worry too much there. A little shoulder soreness, a little wrist soreness. The cortisone shot was a little not strange necessarily because we don't really know what's going on with the wrist, but it suggested a degree of severity than, you know, just quote-unquote soreness. Um, So, you know, could require, uh, you know, some monitoring throughout the season, but uh, to me there's no significant concern concern with Cespedes. He's a guy in particular – uh, an established vet probably doesn't enjoy spring training that much. Um, I have to think that when the regular season comes in a week and a half, then he'll be one of those guys who can easily flip a switch and start playing every day or at least pretty much every day.
0: Adrian Gonzalez, will he be the Mets' first baseman come June 15th? What's your gut telling you? I know, again, oh, Ard, June fifteenth. That's a tough one. <laughs> <June 15th. laughs> I had to throw you one tough I,
1: question there, right? <laughs> that's that's the exact middle ground where it starts to get tough the thing with adrian gonzalez is as many have said that he's only making the minimum for or rather the mets only have to pay him the major league minimum so if he comes out in the regular season and falls on his face then it won't be hard for them to cut ties and go to one of their several other options at first base um and my mindset is that you know, Gonzalez, veteran, obviously has got the back issues that require, you said, 90 minutes of daily uh, treatment. Uh, I right now am willing to give Gonzalez a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because of the track record, because of the injuries that ruined his 2017, which really were his only bad season in the last decade, I think. Um, so come regular season – if he can, you know, again, be one of those guys who flips a switch because it's so hard to uh, decipher anything from spring numbers, um, then I, I can see him being mildly productive, productive enough. Um, will he be the first baseman on June 15th? I'd say so, yeah. That, so I guess the answer to your question, my take would be, yes, he would be. But as we get deeper and deeper into the season, um is that back does that back continue to stay manageable i don't know will the production be there maybe the back would if it acts up would definitely affect that then also how well will dom smith be doing in triple a of course the pcl it's you know it's not a little easier to put up huge numbers there than it is in other leagues but uh if he's knocking down the door and gonzalez is even so-so then it's not hard to imagine the mets making the switch
0: there's been a lot of positive stuff you've seen from Mickey Calloway. You know, he's talked about preparation this spring. Um, you know, things got stale uh, with the Mets under the prior regime. I know he's had some concerns with them hustling. He talked about that last week and playing the game the right way. Look, you've covered the Marlins. I think you were, you know, around the Red Sox a little bit. You've been around a game long enough now. You've probably interacted with a number of different types of teams and organizations and styles. Understanding you're still new here, but I'd be curious, an outsider coming in, your perspective, and your thoughts on, on how this camp has been run and the leadership of this group, because you know this, this was a big issue last year. Uh, understanding injuries play into this going forward, but there have been issues here over the last couple of years, uh, despite the fact even that the Mets went to the World Series in 2015.
1: Right, so what is the question exactly? <laughs>
0: I mean, what are your thoughts about this particular uh, regime, Callaway Island? How does is it compare, maybe, to some of the other teams that you've been around? Um, and how do you feel about how the camp's been run? And, and your thoughts on a new manager? I, be, I guess, basically.
1: Uh, it, it working dealing with Callaway, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still definitely getting a, a vibe for him. You know, with him and Island, obviously, that's a one of the big biggest storylines going the season. Giving, given the pitching in the organization and how important it is to the season in particular. Um, Island has been impressive. A number of the starters have gone out of their way. It seems to point out that Island, uh, you know, made this minor mechanical tweak or had this little conversation with them in the dugout between innings and it helped them straighten out for the rest of their spring outing. And in, you know, in conversing with Island, he seems like a guy who uh, very much so doesn't take any crap from his players, um, so he's gonna he's gonna give it to you straight. And if you're not doing something right, or if you're not putting in the work, then um, you know he will let you know that, and you, and you might have to pay for it if it comes to it. And it's it's very similar with Callaway. Um, it seems like he's stern when he needs to be. Of course, you know Dominic Smith got benched for his uh, tardy, uh, you know his tardy that morning, missing the team meeting. Um, so th- there's a little bit of laying down the law, so to speak, uh, uh, establishing the pecking order and establishing that, hey, Callaway and Island and the rest of the new coaches are people who need to be respected. And, you know, there's a new way of doing things, a new vibe around the team. Um, so it certainly seems to me, you know, in my two and a half weeks so far that, um, there is some, um, th- they're working to in- instill that, that culture is kind of a buzzword, but that attitude in the locker room, for sure.
0: A couple of things before I let you go. Uh, what player, if any, has maybe stood out to you, maybe someone you weren't expecting uh, to really take interest in? Anybody jump out to you that, I guess, hey, that's my surprise of camp?
1: I'll give you a, a couple names, and one who's stuck out in, in conversations with Callaway, too, is, is Kevin Powecki. Of course, there's a, you know, a timeshare. catcher, and we'll see who ends up with the majority of the time, but Powecki has, obviously, you know, the spring spring training offensive numbers are there, and you don't want to read too much into that. You'll see what it looks like um, you know, come regular season, but his work with the pitchers has really stuck out on a couple of occasions. Uh, There was one start probably a week and a half ago. Cindergaard was having a little trouble in the first or second inning, and um, Powecki went out there and and basically, to paraphrase Syndergaard, Puecki told him to uh, get his head out of his butt. And I think that, Callaway has mentioned it a couple times, that attitude from Puecki to go out there and take charge when necessary. And in the same mold as Island, stern with the pitchers when you need to. Um, pitchers a lot of times think too much. Uh, so it's good to have a catcher like Puecki who can, uh, again, give it to him straight when needed. So pull is one guy who stuck out on another one on the minor league side is Luis Giorme. who's obviously known for his defensive abilities and he, he's been a lot of fun to watch, not only in games, but in, uh, defensive drills as well. Shortstop by trade, but moving all around the infield lately, you know, uh, in theory, Ahmed Rosario is the quote unquote shortstop of the future and, and the present now. But, uh, you know, if Guillaume's bat can come around a little bit, it's not hard to imagine a long-term future of Rosario at short and Guillerme at second. Uh, so Puecki and Giorme are among two of the, uh, two of the guys who have stuck out. One
0: last thing. So you have uh, an interesting book that you wrote a few years back, hometown hardball. It was uh, a minor league baseball road trip. And uh, I know there's a lot of fans listening that during the summer like to try to, you know, maybe take a road trip with the family or, Maybe there's even those out there that have covered, uh, uh, you know, out of you know college or whatever, a minor league team. Uh, you had a chance to go to see quite a few locations, one of them being MCU Park and the Cyclones in, in Brooklyn, which I've been to that park probably uh, dozens of times. Talk a little bit about that and, and maybe, you know, in the same vein as what you did with the surprise of, of camp, give me a couple of stadiums or towns that you went to that, you know, maybe you were not expecting much. And, you know, if the family wants to take a road trip, maybe they should, uh, you know, check it out.
1: Yeah, that was a fun little project, hometown hardball. I, 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 treated it as a guide to all 27 minor league ballparks in the Northeast. And so that was, you know, the new England States plus New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. And what I tried to do was provide readers with kind of a lowdown on each of those stadiums and teams going into a little bit of the history what it's like to go, you know, what a day at the ballpark is like, what's different about each one, the special foods maybe that you can eat there. Um, so I've, I among the ones that uh, stuck out, MCU Park, absolutely. That's, you know, I've been there a number of times for this project, this book, and, and other assignments, and uh, you know, whether people are Mets fans or not, I'd recommend uh, a trip there to Coney Island. It's a cool little neighborhood. You got the Nathan's hot dog stand next door, the beach right there, the roller coasters, all that stuff. So that, that's a real fun time, not only for a game, but you can make a whole day out of that easily. Uh, the, the other one that stuck out was Reading, Pennsylvania, the Redding Fightin' Phils, which is the uh, AA affiliate for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, you know, and they f- consider themselves the Wrigley or Fenway of the Miners. Uh, very, very old ballpark, uh, built in the 50s, I think but much like Wrigley and Fenway has had a decent amount of upkeep through the year. So it, it's got that old fashioned vibe, but it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't quite feel that old, you know, this it's not like the seats are old and it's hard to get around. It's very, uh, you know, it's, it's gone through its fair share of upgrades, and it, it's not from the tri-state area. It's not too bad of a drive. Um, yeah, I think it's, Probably within within an hour of Pennsylvania. So uh, I mean, b- b- within an hour of Philadelphia. So those would be my two recommendations: uh, Redding and Brooklyn.
0: And and it's cool that you bring up an uh, old time ballpark because I remember going to uh, Pawtucket back in the I guess the early nineties, and they had that old ballpark. Yeah, I think that's the same ballpark there. Yeah, and I understand that those parks had to go. I mean, at some point, they, as you said, they don't really keep them. But now there's basically one company, in every park, the new ones, even though they're nice, there's certain symmetry. Everybody's doing the same type of setup. There's a certain um, history and charm to a park that's been around, like you said, since the 50s, a minor league park. brings you back to a much more simpler time. I think that's something cool, and that's probably what tra- attracted to to you to that kind of situation, I would think.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right in that. A lot of the newer parks, it's uh, – it, they, they all a lot of them have the same vibe um you know open concourses um they, they've sort of been in uh, a minor league arms race of sorts when it comes to these souped up minor league ballparks i think hartford is another great example uh that thing cost a lot of money and took longer than I expected to build um but now that it's there it's you know Donuts park is probably one of the nicest in the eastern league um you know that former new britain team now the hartford yard goats which uh like so many others, has gotten plenty of publicity for its with for its goofy name. Um, but you're right; there, there is, you know, a romantic side you could say to, you know, the old-fashioned ballpark, the one that hasn't been knocked down for something new and shiny. So where
0: can they get the book? And then obviously, let's uh, let's hear what you got coming up. You're covering the Mets for Newsday. Anything else you want to let the listeners know about, and, and things you got going on?
1: Sure, sure. Well, again, the book is called Hometown Hardball. You can get that on Amazon or, or through the publisher, Globe Pequot Press. Um, and, and again, you know, new, new to the Mets beat, so uh, everybody can follow me on Twitter at tim bees and boy, and then Healy H E A L E Y. It's my same handle on Instagram, but uh, I'm more active on Twitter than I am, I am Instagram. Um, but again, you know, Newsday.com. Subscribe to Newsday. And uh, come regular season, it'll be the, the Newsday 4th on WOR with the guys during the broadcast. So uh, it should be a pretty yeah. good time.
0: Looking forward to catching up with you. And, look, I didn't ask you, by June 15th, will the Mets fans be annoying you as much as the prior fan <laughs> base that you covered? So, I didn't ask you that. That would have been a tough one. But in all, in all seriousness, enjoy, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for coming on. I'm sure we'll catch up as the season progresses. All righty?
1: Will do. Thank you.
0: Tim Tim Healy of Newsday. Interesting book, too. Hometown Hardball. I know that other books about minor league baseball have been written, but I always find it interesting, and I do think that those old... I remember going to some of those like Rochester, Pawtucket, and I have to look and see, because it's been a while since I covered minor league baseball. I haven't covered the Trenton Thunder games in, in years, so um, I'm not as connected to the minor leagues as I once was back you know, maybe five, six years ago. Uh, But that's a pretty cool experience, too, the Trenton Thunder. I've always had. They were always good to me. I know it's a Yankees affiliate. We're a Mets broadcast here. But I I always was appreciative of how they treated me. They have the bat dogs. They were one of the first to do that, I believe. And it's always fun. So interesting to get Tim's perspective on some of those minor league parks and and what's going on with the the Mets and his take on the roster. As Like I said, two weeks left before – less than two weeks before the start of the season – And uh, opening day. So, you know, the charge now towards meaningful baseball games is here. And what we're talking about is those final roster spots. Things are starting to crystallize and what have you. So, anyway, let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll wrap up. I'll kind of give you an idea of the schedule as we head into opening week. It'll be a midweek opening week game on a Thursday. So uh, we'll have to figure out how we're going to do the show and give you the best content possible for that week. We'll be back with the final thoughts right after this.
2: Hey, Mets fans, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best, unbiased, and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, Online.com, and get Metsmerized today.
0: We're back. Final thoughts. Really appreciate everything that uh, Tim Healy uh, brought to the table. Uh, new to the Mets beat, I just still think like he had some good nuggets there. And I think the big one for me is Kevin Plowecki and, and what Kevin Plowecki could bring to the table. I really believe in up-the-middle defense. I also believe in a catcher that could call a game, could manage his pitching staff. I'm not really sure Travis Darnot could do that. This was actually something that Steve Phillips and Eduardo Nunez were talking about. They did, a, uh, a, they did the road trip on MLB Network radio, and they were at Mets camp on Friday, and they talked about how last year Darno one of their issues with Darno, forget the offensive improvements and the things that he needs to do there, was that he was relying too much on his pitching coach to call the game. And part of calling the game is to know when to get out there. And I understand now with the rules, those six visits to the mound have to be strategic, but also get out there, talk to your pitcher, also know your pitcher, know your pitcher where they're at and where they're at in the game, and, and the mindset of the pitcher, that might help you with calling the game. And it sounds like from listening to Tim Healy and some of what the scuttlebutt is out of camp, because we've heard this, uh, we've read this, and we've heard this from other uh, individuals who covered the team, that Ploiecki's shown a lot of progress in that manner. And that's a big deal. And I think Mickey Callaway has made it clear that both of these guys are going to play, Ploiecki and Darno, and it may be more based on offense than defense. But I will tell you, if Ploiecki is going to stand out and is going to show a little bit more leadership, game-calling ability, uh, well, assuming that the offense is relatively similar, that Darno you know doesn't all of a sudden bust out and become a 20-25 home run threat, you know, 260-270, because he has shown some flashes of offensive potential. Um, Ploiecki, uh might be the guy. Uh, you know, Darno has to also show that he can throw the ball a little bit, too. Yes, part of that running game and all that stuff is the pitchers and the pitchers holding the batters on, and I think that's something that Callaway's been working on and Island has been working on. And boy, I got to tell you, uh, on that note, hearing uh, how uh, how the, how Island is being received and a lot of the stories about Island and, and and his style, I mean, it's just it's such a breath of fresh air. I understand they haven't had the best spring. I understand the record isn't great. Uh, I know Callaway keeps talking about preparation and process, and that is the right thing to be focused on in spring. And I know that there's probably still going to be some question marks coming in the season with health and whether or not they're too slow or maybe a little too streaky offensively. But I will tell you this, one of my biggest gripes about this team over the last seven or eight years is how the manager handled things and how the pitching coach handled things. And you have heard nothing but positives from both of those things in just the six short weeks that they've been in Port St. Lucie, uh, four to six short weeks. And if, if, if they can continue that and they could get a, a decent amount of health from this staff, that is going to be, to me, a huge lift for this team and will be probably one of the positive determining factors about whether or not they can contend and compete for a playoff spot. So good stuff from Tim Healy. Appreciate him coming on. Uh, We're out of time, but uh, we'll be back. And, uh, you know, stay tuned. I'm not sure. We're going to do a season preview show. I'm working on something there. I'm not sure if it's going to be next Sunday or during the week leading up to opening day. So stay tuned for that. I'll let you know. And uh, keep going to MetsamorizedOnline.com for details about the show. Of course, you can check me out and check out updates about the show on my Twitter feed, at Media. You can check out the show, like I said, at MetsamorizedOnline.com. Go to the Truth which is also part of the iHeart Media Network, and you can check out the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcast and service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll be back for the season preview and opening day next week. Till then, be well.